CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to discuss uh, these conversations and or join the discussions on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag Big Data. Today's topic is meeting healthcare big data prerequisites. And our guests for today's show are Dr. Uh, C. Martin Harris, who is the CIO and chairman of IT division for Cleveland Clinic. Good morning, Martin. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I am doing just fantastic. It's a beautiful summer weather now. How are things with you? Oh, let me tell you, it's beautiful here in Cleveland, so it's great to be on today. Very good. And we also have Rick Hoffer, who's the CIO of Molina Healthcare. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Sanjuk. How are you? Very good. Uh, could not complain with such a beautiful weather and a lot of good fun happening on the workplace. How about you? I feel the same. We're out in Los Angeles, and the weather here is beautiful. Great. Uh, welcome both to the show once again. Honored to have you now. Right now, healthcare is in a spot where big data is the next great idea that will change the way we deliver care, but very few have made it there yet. So we have to ask, is there anything, uh, whatever we're doing is for real? Uh, there are a lot of other challenges to address first before we can even really start thinking about and acting on big data, and we wanted to address some of those uh, today. And uh, Martin, I'd like to ask the first question. If we are talking about big data and everybody wants to talk about it, and there's a lot of lip service, but there is not much that has happened in terms of um, you know, adoption, and yes, people are, are, are starting it, especially in healthcare. Do you think uh, people are just projecting these uh, timelines as everything will get done yesterday, or, um, you know, there are some other hurdles? Yeah, what I would say is I think big data is coming into focus in healthcare for uh, one major reason, and that is because the industry is shifting from a volume-based model of care to a value-based model of care. And in that value-based model, your ability to, to relate quality and cost and to make it transparent both for the provider, the payer, and the patient is really the next big idea. Now, I think it's early in this space. I think the industry has identified this as a critical need in order to shift to value-based care delivery, but it is absolutely early. And it's early for a couple of reasons. The first is that in order to really apply this concept of big data analytics, you must be able to aggregate the data. And in healthcare, that data is still caught in various silos. So, um, across a given enterprise, you may be able to see all the information inside of your own institution, but you also need information from the skilled nursing facility that you happen to be working with, a physical therapy operation that you happen to be working with, which may not be part of your organization at all, but are absolutely part of the care paradigm. So aggregation of all the appropriate data uh, is important. 
the next is to truly understand what's going on relative to cost. And much of that cost data today, especially when it occurs outside of your organization, uh, is in, in the payer um, uh, silo, if you will. And so we need to bring uh, that data together. And then the last is really making sure that the targets for big data analytics are clear. So what are those things that we are going to uh, really be driving the industry to? What are those metrics? What are those measures? And how do we know that those are uh, the, the metrics that will increase value by improving quality and allowing us to deliver it in a cost-effective way? So I think the focus on this area is absolutely appropriate. It is an infrastructure for where we're going, uh, but it is still early uh, in the delivery of this new capability. So, Rick, do you think there's a challenge with the way the plumbing is set up, or is the it's the way people who are supposed to put in data through that plumbing are the ones who are either resisting it or they are just putting uh, garbage data? Where, where exactly are those weakest links in this chain? Um, well, I'm going to agree a lot with what uh, Dr. Martin had just said. Um, yeah, I think in healthcare, you know, big data is certainly being discussed, and I think a number of uh, payers and providers and others are, are starting to dip their toe in the water. Uh, you know, it's, we're not quite as far as other industries is, online retail and others, but it's certainly, I think we all recognize that it's a big opportunity. Uh, the issues surrounding big data in healthcare are really twofold. First, it's the sheer quantity of proprietary data. We have terabytes of data from multiple healthcare systems that are all formatted differently. We're able to thread some of this data together through common identifiers like provider ID and social security numbers. But when we dive into how much data there really is, it's much more complicated than stringing together a couple of ID numbers and expecting to have a complete 360-degree view of a single member. So meaningful use is making things a little simpler, academically speaking, but it, it doesn't really address the detail that makes big data the holy grail of analytics. It requires a lot more brute force to make it happen. The second issue is what to look for. We want to shift the focus from paying the sick to paying to keep people healthy, you know, very similar to what the value-based care that uh, Dr. Martin mentioned. Most healthcare systems aren't set up to report on this, at least not yet anyhow. So we have to implement our own programs that look at existing data differently in order to drive the healthcare quality. This means we're continually connecting data dots, which also drives up the cost. And if you consider that many of the, the much of the data, as you mentioned, is, is being input by folks in, in various institutions all over, the quality of that data becomes very important. But if you look at these healthcare quality-oriented programs that will benefit from the shift to big data, I think it's easier to justify the cost and simply as it'll be the next evolutionary leap of infrastructure. But that's much more at a data level, and I think we're, very, we're still very, very early in the stages. So we, we did, uh, you very clearly mentioned that you would require some brute force. Do you think the intention is there, but uh, the, the way you have to go about, or is it rallying the troops an issue? So, uh, Dr. Martin, if you were to uh, take from number one, two, three, in terms of the priority in which these things have to be addressed to get started, otherwise we can keep scratching our head where to get start, get started. What would those be the issues from from the severity and where we should, uh, you know, basically start this? 
sure. So I would say I would organize it in the following way. And in, in like most new programs, you can imagine attacking on all fronts, but I, I think organizations need to find the two or three areas that are of critical importance to them and focus on the application of this new technology in a very narrow space. The and and have very clear metrics associated with those so that you can tell that you are making a difference. The second point that I think you're really getting to is the implication of these programs around workflow for primarily the clinicians in our organization. Um, so we are implementing um, EMRs across the country, my organization, uh, many others, are pretty far down that road. Um, but those implementations weren't done with an outcomes orientation built into them, and those outcomes should be driving value. So as we set these new value targets, it is going to cause us to have to re-engineer the workflow of the clinicians, and what I would say is that they must be engaged in that process from day one. They need to understand why the targets are important, what difference they're going to make uh, to the care of the patients, and how uh, their practice is evaluated, and they have to be one of the chief engineers in understanding then how they will actually alter their care delivery model. And I think this is probably the largest challenge because it requires you to redesign the workflow, not just adapt the way you are currently doing things if you're going to be successful. And that includes capturing some information in more detail than you do today, but it also includes um, not capturing information that isn't important to the outcomes that you're trying to measure. So the clinicians have to be actively engaged. I would make those two things, clear, focused targets, a limited set, and the clinicians actively engaged in redesigning the workflow are the two biggest challenges. Rick, would you think, given the magnitude of this whole endeavor, people could have a mindset that let's at least get started and let's, let's not really focus on what that uh, you know, wonderful end goal is like, because otherwise we will never get people to come to one common uh, consensus, if you will, and get started. But then it also has uh, a, a danger. You could put the whole basically initiative in jeopardy because you might be starting, you'll start running very fast, but in the wrong direction. Yeah, a couple of comments on that. I, I think, you know, for starters, big data you know, is such a trend across all industries that everybody's looking at it, including healthcare. You know, you, you can't go to a healthcare conference today without seeing something on big data. So are the healthcare companies getting into it? I would say yes. Everybody is getting into it, some faster than others, but it's certainly on the radar, and, and most people are trying to understand what the impact and implications will be. So generally, are we going too slow? I'm not sure we're going too slow. Are we going too fast? I, I would also say, and no, we're not. I think that we're taking a pace that potentially could be faster. But like you said, if you do this wrong, you could really mess things up. So I think that you know, healthcare companies are general are, are fairly cautious, you know, about the use of technology and, and around things like uh, privacy and compliance. So, you know, anytime a new technology is being introduced, 
I think it's evaluated and, and brought in, you know, at appropriate times. Um, like um, what Dr. Martin mentioned, you know, we are also looking at how what the implication of big data is and, and how it could benefit our company. Uh, one thing I think is important just to point out that Molina Healthcare is is really it's it's uh, it is a payer, and we're in 15 states today, primarily through Medicare, Medicaid, and other government-funded programs. But we also do have clinics, um, no hospitals today, but we have a number of clinics, 35, 40 clinics in a number of states. So, you know, we are a little we're a little fortunate in that we we can play on both sides of the fence. So we we do have direct delivery on the provider side and we have the payer side. So we're able to start leveraging and looking at some of this information a little bit differently. And I think we're in a position where we can figure out how to benefit from big data, but we're going to move cautiously. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And when we come back, Dr. Martin, I'd like to ask you about cautious optimism versus cautious pessimism, not maybe perhaps at the leadership level, but among the troops, because they are saying we are being charged with, uh, the, we have been tasked with this this uh, humongous uh, initiative, and then yes, directions are being given, but sometimes there are so many unknowns, we truly do not know where this is going. So who is drawing this blueprint, and especially when you are drawing blueprint in one organization and there are 20 others who are supposed to sync up with you, are they, their blueprints really in the same uh, they, they are their synergistic approaches to drawing blueprints, or everybody's is tooting their own horn, and it is more of a noise versus orchestra. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not, because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah. Switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online and use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central. Phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Martin, the question I had asked was uh, regarding synergy among the different road mapping and planning processes that are going on among different entities which are connected with the healthcare ecosystem. Is there, uh, um, you can say, an Uber program that is being run to make sure the prerequisites that are to be met for introducing big data in, say, a healthcare value chain all those links in that value chain are actually starting, uh, basically working in a synergistic manner from the planning stage itself. 
Yeah, so let me answer that. Um, I'm going to do it first at the micro level inside of an organization, and then I'll come to the macro level sort of across the healthcare industry. So the thing that I really find exciting about this big data opportunity is that it's really one of the initiatives where I think we can take both an enterprise approach and a business unit approach at the same time. And so what we are doing internally is exactly what you said, and that is we are setting standards for what we call enterprise information management. And that is really managed by the organization, and it includes the set of data, its definition, where they reside, where the data moves, and how it ultimately enters any enterprise analytic function. Now, from that space, we can provide a lot of core information that all of our units, whether they're surgical units or medical units or hospital units or ambulatory units, um, can use to understand how the enterprise is either doing on a daily basis or a monthly basis or an annual basis. But what's most important to me and exciting is that this capability diffuses into the business units in an organized way. That when the healthcare um, enterprise is operating optimally, this big data analytic capability should be available to the business unit to use at some level of sophistication. So by maintaining the data dictionary for the enterprise, we can allow them to quickly reuse data that's already available and not have to create it on their own. But they can bring the genius of their operating knowledge to coming up with new analyses that actually affect the decisions that they make either administratively or clinically. Now, if you take that same analogy in order for it to work effectively in the healthcare industry, we are going to have to do the same thing around data management. Now, I sit on the Health Information Standards, uh, Health Information Technology Standards Committee in Washington. Uh, we have groups that are uh, beginning to work on this effort, in particular, uh, the health uh, information exchange space is probably going to be the leading edge. So how information moves from one organization to another, we are very far down the road on the technical standards around the transport, and we are beginning to make progress around the actual granular content. There is still a lot of work to be done uh, in that space, and those groups are also working on certifying the source systems, which will also help in getting the right data in the right form with the right definitions as we move forward. Um, but there is still a lot of work. I don't want to be Pollyannish here. There is still a lot of work to do uh, in that space before across the healthcare industry we will have data uh, readily available and accessible to apply to these big data analytic capabilities. Rick, don't you think, given what uh, Martin mentioned in terms of where it stands, that means technically we are pretty, uh, you know, far with the standards, but semantically it is still being worked on. So the end result of what big data produces is based on what has been fed. 
And if that's not, we are not able to place enough trust in what is being fed in a, in a consistent fashion. So God bless us. How will we ever rely on the outcome or the analytics that get produced? So what do you think you are able to do in your uh, organization and or what you've seen others doing who are your counterparts to make sure that the trust is not lost? Because that's what we all care for, that whatever the end result is, we can trust it and work on it. So... You know, again, I'll, I'll agree with Martin on, on a few fronts. First off, within Molina, and I think this is probably the case within many companies, it, there's still an education process to talk about what big data is in vis-a-vis just good analytics. And a lot of healthcare companies have good analytic programs set up today. Um, at Molina, we've established a data governance, and part of that data governance is to ensure that we've defined the data correctly and that it's we have good trusted source systems. And that by itself is a challenge when you've got large companies with, with many silos of information. So really first it's starting internally, as Martin said. But I also think it's an education because big data is a little bit different than just analytics. And it's really working with our businesses to understand what those differences are and what the capabilities that big data will bring that they don't get in their traditional analytic engines today. I'm not sure that the the tools are there yet today, the front ends, the tools to allow the you know our, our businesses to actually get in and, and ask the kind of questions that they can't traditionally ask. But again, we're doing some pilots and playing in that space as well, but partnering internally with the business to figure out how to do that. So absolutely you have to have good data governance, data quality internally and start by trusting your own data. I also think, you know, that Martin is correct. It's the HIEs that will ultimately drive this, because once we have good trusted information from multiple sources that we can bring in and then link into the information we have, I think that's what's going to help mature the sort of big data drive, but also that's what's going to start bringing the value that big data and some of the, the new techniques that will help drive value, both from a a patient perspective as well. But I think that's going to take us a few years to get there. Do we want to wait? No, absolutely not. And the activities that Martin's involved in in driving that forward are are the right things we should be doing. And it would be great if we could speed that up, but I think it's going to – it will go at a pace that will make sense. So, Rick, which – portion of big data analytics related reporting do you think you can confidently put in front of your management and your people which are actionable and you can trust versus which other ones would still be in a sandbox given the state of the very data which is being looked at where it's coming from and and you cannot truly trust the source yet well i would start by saying we're not in a position yet to start looking at and actually using the information we're doing from our big data pilots. So we are in a phase right now where we are piloting big data concepts. um, And we're, again, working very closely with our clinics, with our health plans to do that. So today, and I I don't want to mislead you, we're not in a position today where we're actually leveraging the big data. We're in a position today where we're trying to see where those opportunities are going to be. And again, we've started some pilots where we can um, set the criteria so we can understand the difference between what we can do today with our analytic tools versus what are the things that the 
big data techniques are going to offer us, what questions are they going to answer that we don't get today? So we're not there yet. We're still moving towards that. And I would, you know, within our company, it'll be in another probably four to six months between we know if those kind of investments are going to pay off for us today. So, Martin, if you were to look in your organization or, of course, the bigger picture across the industry, would you say what Rick is saying is a true statement that most organizations are dabbling in it, but they are not able to use it in an actionable sense, all the analytics that is getting produced? Yeah, I I, I think I would frame it just slightly differently. And and what I would say, it, it really is a is a spectrum, but I, I think some organizations, and I'll, I'll give you an example from my own, are getting comfortable with the use of big data when the data has been generated all internally. And so the example that I would use here is that uh, for our Neurologic Institute now, um, for every patient visit, we are capturing patient-reported outcomes, and those can either be entered directly by the patient in discrete form that gets put into our big data analytic engine, um, whether they're actually in the physician's office, in a hospital bed, or actually at home doing that over the web. And that data that's being collected is data that we traditionally didn't capture as as a routine part of the care process. Um, we did it usually related to research activities, but now we can capture it on every patient. So we are getting a sense of the functional status of the patient. Generally, how well are you doing? And then another assessment of emotionally, how well are you doing for every patient? And what's been fascinating is to be able to correlate those general statuses with the outcomes uh, that we are seeing when we're actually making clinical um, interventions. So we now know if you come into the organization and you have an emotional um, uh, uh, status score that is low, I'll, I'll just use that as the frame of reference, that the expected outcome, no matter what the intervention, will also be lower. And so it's telling us something about what we should be doing up front before um, intervening in the clinical care process. So for us, that's an application of big data. It's moving into the clinical arena. We are actually using it to look at the entire population and how it's doing, and we're also actually applying it uh, to the care of individual patients. Now, what aren't we doing? If in that same model, that patient was receiving some component of their overall care plan from another institution, we have done some work now to gather that data and to begin to bring it in and to populate it. But that's where we draw the line because we're not sure the, the semantics are exactly right or the taxonomy is exactly right. And so we're more leery in trusting that in the calculation. So that still remains kind of off to the side. We're still evaluating it, and we're still understanding, quote, unquote, how good it is before we move it into the clinical arena. 
Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, Rick, when we come back, let's look at the EHRs, which is Electronic Health Record, uh, as as an area as well as the the vendor community, which is offering it. Looking at what it offers by design, initially when we started, it was all transactional data that we wanted to capture instead of on, on, on uh, paper electronically. But now we're talking about big data, and as soon as you talk big data, it, it also starts encapsulating uh, or, or including the unstructured form. Is that even being looked at by the EHR community and and under the EHR umbrella, or is it a totally alien species when it comes to the EHR? Uh, Let's explore that more and see how much of that is a challenge today because we're not able to handle unstructured data. That's why big data dream is never going to get realized or it will be tough. Or is that already happening? Let's take a litmus test, if you will, where we are with it. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not, because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online and use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central, phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Rick, let's look at the EHR. The reality is that traditionally uh, it was all about regular transactional data. And now that we are looking at data as the very source and we want to put big data on it, perhaps we we may also want to include the unstructured data. But is the EHR community and the EHR um, basically that whole electronic health record area, is that even ready to accommodate unstructured data yet? So at Molina, we've, we've been fortunate to have an EHR program. Uh, we've, we're integrating our EHR into our call centers, our nurse advice hotline, so that the nurses and agents have the most up-to-date information on members when he or she is calling in so we can make healthcare-related decisions on the fly that will benefit that member. We're also continually reviewing the data collected in our EHR to determine if we've got the best laid-out benefit plans for our members and for the operation staff to ensure the technical services. For us, and I think Martin had mentioned this before, the biggest challenges to the EHRs were related to making sure we had the right workflows for the right providers. We have several different provider entities and clinic types, and we didn't want multiple EHR systems. We needed a system that would allow us to create all the necessary workflows without causing too much disruption on our providers. 
Now, this includes structured and unstructured data. And with unstructured data today, we do OCR. We scan it in OCR. We do the best job we can um, at, at putting some structure around that unstructured data. Um, but there's such huge volumes today of the unstructured data that, that typically it still involves having you know, our, our physicians, our nurses go through and, and review multiple unstructured images uh, to finally get to the point where they've got the information that they need. So, you know, we, we are taking the structured and the unstructured, bringing it together, uh, but there's an evolution again there. And, and the massive amounts of unstructured data that we have today could be indexed uh, much more effectively. So, Martin, if you were to look at this whole uh, EHR space, do you think there is sophistication that has uh, been achieved that while initially they were handling uh, the regular structured data or transactional data, and they have now built the capability to be able to accommodate the unstructured as well, which could become the very source of what big data will be able to leverage? So, I, I think we will be living with both structured and unstructured data for some time to come. Um, I think as we move to value-based care, more of the data will become structured as part of the workflow. But I believe that there will always be this other source of unstructured data. Now, I think there are some things that we can do with unstructured data. Sort of at the low end of that, we can create data about that unstructured data. So, for example, in many of our diagnostic units, we are having the specialist actually characterize the result. So, here is a chest x-ray, and it is normal or abnormal. And if it's abnormal, it has these kinds of characteristics. So, even though the actual report is still a blob of text, I do know something about that particular result uh, by creating essentially a metadata layer around it. I think at the higher end, we always dream about the idea that we can apply natural language processing um, to it and in some very targeted areas, primarily procedure areas. Um, again, pretty effective in radiology and some of the ambulatory surgery units where the procedure is pretty much the same, we can apply natural language processing to pull out the pertinent information and effectively make it discrete. Um, I think the biggest remaining challenge is really with that challenging patient where in the note you, there is a relatively free flow of ideas. Um, that remains the sort of final hurdle to get over to try and characterize that. So I think of this as a journey, not a point in time, and we have a mix of those activities now. Um, I would say it's probably 25% structured and 75% various forms of unstructured. I think that will definitely head to something that's a lot closer to 50 to 60% originally structured, and then the other 40% will continue to apply those um, advanced techniques like natural language processing to get it into a structured form. Now, the last thing I would say is that the, we are also applying other technology that can do the structuring for us. So the classic example there is the blood pressure cuff. And so 
there, uh, as we deploy the digital blood pressure cuffs into the clinical space, that information, which historically was written into a note, now someone is actually typing it into the note most of the time correctly, but not 100% of the time. We can expect it to be done correctly 100% of the time and actually done by a machine. So the thermometer, uh, the otoscope, those kinds of things, anything that produces a digital result, glucometer, peak flow meter for asthmatics, the, we will get the machines to do that structuring work, and that will help with that shift from unstructured to structured documentation. Rick, in your world, do you think you are uh, positioned to be able to convert most of the unstructured to structured over a period of time, or you think there is some qualitative value you can derive from big data analytics? Because when we talk about unstructured, is people having conversations, emails, this, that, and the other between the providers as well as the patients and any other uh, touch point that you may have for the healthcare. Do you think, where, where do you see this mix going? Well, I, I would agree with Martin here that we're always going to have unstructured and structured, and I think that the percentages that he quoted, you know, maybe 25, 30, 70 today, will get closer to 50-50, you know, as we move forward. Um, but and I don't think it's going to go any faster, I would think, than Martin does. Now, there is a lot of information, and the, the more we can start tying some of the pieces together, some of the things that we're doing, and, and Martin mentioned a few, we're also looking at uh, voice-to-text so that when we do have uh, uh, voice notes, we can transcribe those into a digital format or a structured format. So the more technology that comes out to help enable taking um, unstructured, putting it into a structure, I think will benefit us. Now, things like the email, um, certainly you know, there's a cap there will be capabilities to reach in and grab more and more of this information and start viewing it. And I think the the real benefit, again, becomes when we can do that outside of our own networks and have access to um, the information from the provider networks or, you know, again, whether the, uh, the HIEs extend into that unstructured space, the faster they move, I think the, the faster all of us can start leveraging that. So do you think EHRs and HIEs who you are thinking of relying going forward, are they are moving at a pace and introducing the level of sophistication required so that you can uh, reliably get better output for all the unstructured data that might be floating around today, which, of course, will have to be captured and made sense of going forward? Yeah, I think the yeah, the EHR systems, I think, today are still focused more on the structured and where they are starting to look more at the emerging type technologies, I think, in the spaces of mobility versus in the space of, of big data, um, where they're be, you know, being able to extend the reach into that data from, from tablets and mobile devices. And I also think that that's a, an area where the providers and the physicians you know, are, are, are looking for that kind of an innovation and I think they're seeing more value today out of that than they are out of the, the move to the big data or, or the unstructured to structured. Now, just by, and this is for you, Martin, uh, just because there is big data, we don't really need to adopt for getting something which is not going to create a tangible value for our organization. So do you think with that said, 
would you rather have an over-reliant ecosystem where if the HIEs and EHRs and other entities who are supposed to get better at what they do in terms of handling structured and unstructured, that's going to be a waiting game for your organization to get up to speed and start getting more value out of big data? Or uh, you will be saying that, okay, while those people really grow up from kids to adults, let us handle this internally and start getting value because that's what it's all about. Yeah. So what I would say is I don't tie big data to solely to the evolution of EMRs and, and HIEs. I think they are one important source. But remember, big data um, implies that there is important information in places that we don't normally think about. And uh, we're beginning to think about how to begin to to apply um, uh, derivative data that is not directly part of the care process to the care process. So the the example in our organization is uh, we have now built out a, a single telephone number uh, for making an appointment or for calling in with a clinical complaint in order to to access one of our providers. So as a, as a result of doing that work, when the person calls in, uh, if they're an established patient, through the telephone system, they already identify themselves. Then when we interact with them, we are characterizing the kind of complaint they had. So I have a runny nose and a fever and I ache all over. We're recording that information. It's not in the doctor's office at this point in time. It's part of the call center. But by looking at that data, uh, we get a sense of a pattern that's happening that may well be predictive of the outbreak of flu season in northeast Ohio and then would suggest to us what we should be doing with our um, inpatient general medicine beds to get ready for a big uptick in, it, uh, in, in admissions for pneumonia. So I think it is true we are going to have to um, clearly wait for some information to come out of these traditional EMR HIE sources, but what I'm really excited about is beginning to think about all the other data uh, that is related to work that we do in the enterprise that may help us better understand how we deliver care. And that includes um, administrative systems like the telephone system, like the appointment scheduling system, like the insurance management system, like the supply chain system that can give us uh, information that we can use at a macroanalytic level uh, to make programmatic decisions. Now, with respect to getting access to real-time um, health information in the ER or in our regular um, healthcare delivery, Rick, this is a question for you. Do you think that is still um, far away, a Star Trek version, or would you say it's getting real and you're seeing it happen already? Well, I, I think it's, it's getting more real. Um, real-time health information you know, is incredibly appealing. So there's less complicated, less expensive things we can do today that don't cost as much. Now, for example, if we used RFID bracelets, we could track patients through a clinic or a, or a hospital. Uh, we could alert nurses to dispense medicines at particular times uh, for individuals. Uh, we could pre-populate a doctor's iPad. So there's a host of things that we could be doing 
that'll help enable um, getting to the, the real-time information. Um, we're doing some of that today, and, and very similar to um, Martin's uh, previous answer, we do have call centers, um, and we are very much more focused around creating a 360-degree profile of our members um, so that we do have uh, our, our member services folks can have access to that information. If we know real-time that somebody's not showing up for an appointment, then we can proactively reach out and find out why. So getting access to real-time information, and, and more and more of that is becoming available today, it is bringing value, and it is bringing value today that will help us manage the care better of our members. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And, Martin, when we come back, given what Rick's response is, is that an incentive enough for us to put in all that we have into making sure that we can really bring big data analytics to reality and start leveraging it because that's where it looks like that's that's what is going to perhaps help us realize this promise that you've got real-time health information available, which can be effectively utilized to deliver healthcare and overall experience. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not. Because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online. And use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central. Phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh, Martin, first is we were to uh, talk about the value of this uh, real-time health information. But before that, how about you kind of inventorying where are we going with this big data and where is the true value being seen by management in healthcare so that the investments are made in the right places? Sure. So I think this is a great question because I think as we – think about whether to make additional investments in order to gather the data to do big data analytics, you have to be thinking about where you can go. And we're beginning to see some of that evidence now, and, and I call it the predictive quadrant, if you will, of our overall analytics capability. And um, so when we've had a, 
scheduling system at the Cleveland Clinic for you know decades now. But we've always thought about that scheduling system as something that simply told us who was coming in and grossly how many people would be coming into the office on any given day. Well, now, not only do we have that information, but because it's also logically linked to the EMR, we know the diagnoses of those patients that would be coming in on that day. And if we know the diagnoses, we also know that they happen to be a diabetic, and we can classify them by severity. So if you begin to put all of that data into a big data calculator, what it's allowing us to do is to predict what human resources we're actually going to need on any given day to, do, to accomplish two things. One, to deliver the best possible patient experience because we've matched the severity of the overall mix of patients coming into the Cleveland Clinic across the enterprise with the clinical resources that we need for that day. Uh, that's sort of one example of that. And we've never really been in a position to do it, and predictive analytics will allow us to do that. You need to know it ahead of time if you're going to adjust your human resources. The same example now applies in the operating room. So, so again, in the operating room, we tended to think about the number of cases that were going to happen and when. We now have the ability to clearly predict from the appointment scheduling system how many cases are going to be in operating room X eight weeks from now. But what's much more important is exactly what kinds of cases are going to be in there and what supplies they are going to need and making sure that we've acquired those things in the most efficient way possible in order to provide the best care for those patients. So when I think about talking to the senior management team, the reason for making incremental investments to acquire data really relates to our ability to begin to think like an enterprise and to better service our patients because we're thinking about all patients across the enterprise, not doing it one by one by one. Rick, well, we, of course, spoke about the value that big data could provide and it could enhance the experience, but people are still concerned about healthcare costs uh, being way too high for anyone, for that matter. Does this initiative uh, have any bearing on reducing the overall cost for all parties involved so that that savings could be offered to uh, the patient itself? Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think that that leveraging the information, especially in in the way that Martin just mentioned, as far as predictive, if you can start uh, leveraging information to look at a population versus just an individual member and start to come up with trends that can be addressed proactively, um, and again, uh, not just a single patient, which you can start to do with the uh, medical records, but with populations, uh, then we should have, you know, big data should provide us with a view that we don't have today. And if we can, again, proactively and preemptively be, be looking at how to address some of the situations that could be coming up, then I think it could have a very positive impact on the cost long-term of, of health care. 
Now, uh, Rick, if you were to actually, this is one last question. Uh, uh, if you were to quickly say, your basically appeal to your uh, stakeholders and the healthcare community in general to make best use of uh, big data, but at least have an expedited approach to meeting the prerequisites, what would that be? Well, I would I would ask the HR vendors to start working with the uh, some of the standards that are coming out of the the um, health insurance exchange um, initiatives, so that we can have the compatibility um, for interfaces uh, between systems and between states. Uh, the more we can standardize and move forward by having a consistent um, model, I think the easier it will be. For all of us to start leveraging information from multiple sources because we can get to the point where the interfaces will be easier. We can get to the point where the data will be trusted more, which then gives us the ability to do a lot more of the analytics on that data. So the more that they can work together on that, I think it benefits everyone. Okay, so Martin, since you are close to Washington and, of course, you know, leading the, the troops here in your organization, what is it that you say to the rest of the world, which is dealing with big data and, of course, the bigger problems related to healthcare delivery, costs, etc. What is it that you would want to close this? Yeah, so I would begin by saying I think that what big data really offers us is a way to truly fundamentally rethink the way healthcare is delivered and um, where it's delivered over time. Uh, and in order to change the, the where we deliver care, we're going to need to know a lot more about our patients independent of their physical location. And then that brings me back to then what will we need? And what we will need is interoperable information. And I absolutely agree that we need to make sure that the EHR vendors are working towards those standards. But I think it's equally important that uh, the, the developers of the health insurance uh, management systems are doing the same thing because value can only be judged when we know what the clinical outcome is and what the cost was in order to deliver that clinical outcome. So managing two standards for all of the vendors, and, and I think of them as generators of information for the healthcare experience, is probably the critical step uh, in order to achieve the next evolution. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, uh, both uh, Rick and Martin, for sharing your insights. It seems like we are working in a very predictable and, and an educated manner in terms of how we will meet the prerequisites for big data and deliver uh, ever better care for our patients through healthcare. Thank you so much again. Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio.
CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy.